Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Big Mike Golick joining us. He was on the call last night with uh, Westwood One. Cowboys and the Chargers, and uh, co-host of Gojo and Golik on DraftKings Network, former mothership employee and uh, friend of the show. Big Mike, good to talk to you, buddy. Let me start with pregame. Yeah. Skirmish, Donnybrook, (laughs) altercation. What exactly happened prior to the game between these two teams? You know, it's one of those things that just a little kindling wood and then it, mm. it flames a bigger fire. And I have to admit, I was I do my first hit on the field. I like going down there for pregame. And I actually had some flashback because I was one of those knuckleheads that would do something like that. <laughs> so I saw the fight start and I started running over and then I thought, wait a minute, I'm going to get my ass kicked if I go over there. I better not get too close. But, you know, the, the Rams, they were starting to, to – a few, a few of the players were over there and that's right where the Cowboys run onto the field – and as they ran on, of course, somebody says a couple words, then some people stop, and then they're jawing at one another. Next thing you know, they're pushing one another. And it never, you know, just like most fights in the NFL, they don't they don't lead to anything really bad. But it got chippy at the end of the half. Mm-hmm. Uh at the field goal at the end of the half. They got it got a little chippy again. These these teams were were playing, you know, both teams were playing to stay within one of their uh, respective division leaders. The headline from this game should be about which team? Well, I think it'll be about Dallas. So Dallas got their butts kicked against San Francisco, right? And I think the side of the ball that really took it uh, to heart was the defense because we knew this Dallas team was going to be led by their defense. And while they only had one sack, it was a Michael Parsons late sack, they had pressure. Their pressure rate was like 47%. Uh, it was great. They were getting in the face of Herbert and, and moving him off his mark. And I think they, they really took that personal to where they were considered one of the upper echelon of the NFC. And then after that loss to San Francisco, people are now saying it's, it's San Fran, it's Philly, it's Detroit. You know, and putting Dallas with Seattle and dropping them down a rung. And I don't think they feel they belong there. Unfortunately, they're a little inconsistent, so that might be where they are right now. So I, I think it was more on them. This Chargers team, Dan, they, you look at the talent they have, and we just see they, they just kind of continue to underachieve. I'm trying to figure that out because, to me, yeah. I think the bigger picture is what's going on with the Chargers. Dallas is a good team. The yeah. Chargers should be a good team. Yes. Justin Herbert is not a good fourth-quarter quarterback. And Brandon Staley feels like he's coaching for his job. And we're, you know, 
six weeks into the season. So here's the interesting thing, too, right, is Staley's side of the ball is defense, and the defense has not been good in the last couple of years for the Chargers. So that's been kind of a surprising thing. You have a quarterback that can air out some incredible stats, but they never seem to get it going, especially with the running game. And now Herbert had a good record now, albeit a small sampling size. He was 3-0 and against top five pass defenses, and I think the Cowboys were either two or three against the pass. And the Cowboys had given up more passing yards from week one to week five. They had given up more and more and more. So I thought, and with Herbert's record against that, they could be had a little bit in the passing game. But you have to give a lot of credit to the Cowboys' defense. They stepped up in this. And what I thought was a weekend of great defensive performances, see the Jets and see the Cleveland Browns and other teams as well. But this Charger team has really been an enigma to me, uh, Dan. And you bring up a great point of, I want to see how many hurries you have, pressures you have, how many times you hit the quarterback. Because you can have a guy get three sacks and we go, oh, man, they must have got to a quarterback. I don't care as much about that as I do every single play that you're bringing pressure, you're hitting him every single play. Because after a while, you know, the sheer accumulation of that is going to, you know, you know, it's going to bring down Justin Herbert and confidence and, you know, he's going to see people in the pocket. So um, I thought that that was so important that Dallas had heat on him all night long. Yeah, and and I mean, it took us until the second half to even mention Michael Parsons' name. I I think he was – something was up with him because his body language, it it was not good. I don't know if he was under the weather or what. But to your point, and you're right, you look at the Chargers side of it, they had four sacks. Morgan Fox had two of those sacks. But there wasn't that pressure rate that Dallas had because it doesn't always have to be a sack. If you can get a quarterback off his mark, but these quarterbacks are a lot better nowadays getting off their mark and making throws on the run. But Herbert was just off. I mean, he was throwing behind. He was he had a he had a Keenan Allen had an out and up that was wide open that would have been six. And I couldn't believe that Herbert overthrew him the way he did when he was wide open. So your point is well taken. Just one sack, and it was late by Micah Parsons, but the constant pressure, that has a cumulative effect on a team. Where do the Lions stand in the rankings with NFC teams right now? So I, I would put them third right now. I'd, I'd put them behind San Francisco and Philadelphia, and I'd put Detroit right there. And then and then Dallas after that. Then you're looking at like Seattle and the Rams in, in another tier. Uh, but I would put the, Detroit there. Uh, I I love what's going on. Just, you know, when me and Mike on our show this morning, we talked to Lomas Brown, who was in my draft class <laughs> in 85. He was number six overall. Such a great guy. And he spent his first 10, 11 years in Detroit and really lived the other side of what's going on right now. And he does the radio for them now and just talks about the difference. And it starts with Dan Campbell. They always say you take on the personality of your coach. And, and I had said, as former players, I'm going to tell you, when he, Dan, first had his first presser and talked about biting kneecaps and how tough they were going to be. If I'm a, if I was a current player on that Detroit team, I'd be going, Oh man, training camp is going to be so hard. You know, he's going to hit us and everything, but they have bought in. And when you buy in and then see the wind, you buy in even more. They're a tough team. The offense the last couple of years has put a lot of points on the board. The defense is starting to step up. So yeah, I I have them right there. I mean, and and they'll they'll get a shot against you know some of these top teams you know during the season as well. And their goal obviously win the division, which I thought they could do. And then let's see how far they can go in the playoffs. But what a fun team to root for now. He's Mike Golick, co-host of Gojo and Golick on DraftKings Network. And uh, 
I'm wondering about this as I'm watching last night. Mike McCarthy doesn't really... I don't get confidence from him. If I'm a Cowboy fan, yeah. you know, the, what happened at the end of the first half, game management, penalties yeah. again, the last couple of years, oh. they're, they're up there. You know, it just feels like Groundhog's Day with the Cowboys with Mike McCarthy. So the word I use, and I used it last night, is inconsistency, right? You see the talent that they have, but you want to see it on a more consistent level. And you're right about the penalties. I mean, and it's not like the Chargers were innocent either. Dallas had 11, the Chargers had 9, 20 penalties. The game was just interrupted and choppy because of that. But there's no consistency with this team. Listen, you, you, you have Tony Pollard being the main back. The two games before this, he didn't touch the ball but eight, nine, ten times. Now, they had a blowout win against New England and a blowout loss against San Francisco, so the running game kind of goes out the window. But last night was a good time to get it rolling again. He averaged two yards a carry. I mean, it, Dak Prescott was the leading rusher thanks to his 18-yard touchdown run, which was a nice ball fake on his part. That's the word I would use, inconsistency with the coach, inconsistency with the quarterback, because Dak was off a bit, but when he was on, man, he was firing darts, and he was moving out of the pocket and running well as well. And when he does that and that defense is on, they can be one of the better teams, but their inconsistencies and then shooting themselves in the foot with penalties, clock management times, those are all things that you can kind of get away with like they did last night in a game. But when you get to one and done in the playoffs, you know that's going to make you be the done part of it. Do you think that Robert Kraft could fire Bill Belichick? No, I, I think it would be one of those mutual, hey, I don't want to fire you. That's not the way I want to go. What do we think here? If push came to shove and Bill Belichick said, I'm adamant about staying, I think Kraft would have him stay. Uh, so I don't think he would fire him. But I think if he wanted him gone, there would be a long conversation about, hey, Bill, you know, do you step away? I want you to do it on your own. I want you to, you know, I want it to look that way. But just flat out fire him, I, I, I just don't think so. Would he allow a GM to come in? Boy, that's the question. That is absolutely the question because when you're as successful as that, listen, even if you're not as successful as that, we all think we're making the right decisions and don't want to be demoted in any kind of a way, and that's exactly what it would be. But the days of the head coach being the GM really are a thing of the past. There's just too much to have to keep an eye on. I think it's more very difficult to do. So that would be something that, Maybe would happen, and, and I would think they, they'd almost try and keep it under wraps that it didn't really happen. But that is something I think, kind of like Jerry Jones when he was making all the decisions, then Steven started making the decisions. One of the one of the you know ones a while ago, he wanted Johnny Manziel, and they were like, Jerry, no, let's take this guy named Zach Martin, who's a walk-in Hall of Famer. You know, so you start to kind of shift the power of decision making, and that's something I think they could do. But everybody's got an ego. You know, and I would imagine Bill has a pretty good size one as well, and he has the rings to prove it. So uh, that might not go over too well, but that's certainly a thought process of something that maybe should happen because they have not been doing well from free agency to drafting as of late. If the Jets are playoff eligible eight weeks from now and Rodgers is close, do you risk? Uh, listen, it, Saying that a lot depends, too, on how Zach Wilson is playing. Let's say Zach is playing how we think Zach is going to play. Good enough to Aaron get them Rod playoff eligible. Exactly. But Aaron Rodgers would be a much better uh, situation. 
yeah, you're taking a risk on, on re-injury for sure, but, man, how many shots you get at the at the Golden Goose, right? I mean, they they did what the Rams have done, what Tampa Bay has done. You sell your soul, especially the Rams did, to get the title, and the Rams got the title. They did that by signing people to contracts maybe they shouldn't have in Tampa Bay, but they got the title. The Jets have are doing this to get the title, so – Man, you know, damn everything. You know, throw the guy in there. I know you'll want him for next year as well, but you have that defense right now. And if he's close enough where you don't you know, don't think he's going to re-injure, you never know if that's going to happen. I, I And as long as Zach is, is kind of the mediocre to a little above mediocre for the rest of the year, I don't see why you wouldn't give it a shot. I don't think, Dan, I'll say right now, I don't think there's any way that Aaron Rodgers would be ready to play in the playoffs. He's certainly given the presentation – that hey. you can give the presentation all you want. I mean, you know, I mean, you can say you can stand there and throw a ball on the sidelines because your Achilles is hurt, your shoulder is, and so you can stand there and throw the ball. And I get modern technology is getting better and better. I do understand that. I would be so hard pressed to think, even in a quick return, that he would be ready to go. I just do not see it, no matter what he says. Okay, He's, but, Aaron says a lot of things. But why is he doing it? I mean, is it for attention that he's on the sidelines throwing the football? Listen, Aaron, I think we all know, uh, while I get along with Aaron, I, I believe I know you get along with Aaron. Aaron does like the headlines, right? Aaron Aaron likes to uh, talk, be seen doing football, talk football, talk outside of football, like mm-hmm. the little battle he's getting in with Travis about the vaccines. He he believes he's a, he is a smart guy. He believes he's a very smart guy, and he doesn't mind throwing it out there as well. But I also think he's a guy that does like kind of being seen out there. So that's part of it. And I don't doubt that his presence there helps a guy like Zach Wilson yeah. and helps kind of, you know, being on the sidelines, suggesting plays. I do think that could be a huge asset to the team. Is it good that there's no great teams in the NFL? Probably. I mean, we, we go through this a lot, right? Whether it's individual sport and Tiger Woods, do we want to see Tiger dominate or do we want to see him get beat? You know, do you want to see a dynasty in football, the Patriots? You want to see that go away, or do you want to see, you know, uh, you know them them carry on? It's a great question. I'm sure if you're, you know, any kind of a Boston fan, you want to see anything like that go on. But other than that, you'd ra- and I think we're getting that in college now as well. Georgia's played a couple of games where they looked like number one, but other than that, it looked like boy, you'd love that 12 team playoff this year yeah. because there's more than a handful of teams you could believe in to do that. So I'm one of those that likes a little more parity, unless of course I'm playing, then I want to be the dominant one. I know you were at the Notre Dame USC game. Feels like we're starting to get the analyst who are coming out now and maybe cooling on Caleb, Michael Penix Jr., uh, Drake May, uh, Shador Sanders. You got to see Caleb Williams. Any concerns about him being the number one quarterback? No, no, no. I, I still think he's the number one guy. His escapability is incredible. I mean, it's you think he's nailed back there, and he gets out and he moves on the run. The guy, he had, listen, he had a bad game. He had this USC had the game Notre Dame had against Louisville, right? They just just did not play well enough to win. USC didn't, and Notre Dame's defense played extremely well because neither offense in this USC-Notre Dame game played well. It was Notre Dame's defense that was the story of this game. So, you know, while Caleb had been playing better than last year when he won the Heisman, that's why I thought he could be the next back-to-back like Archie Griffin, though Penix has taken over the betting favorite. And certainly after this game, he will. But, no, I'm not going to go on this one game and say, "Uh uh-oh, Caleb Williams isn't uh, the number one pick in the draft. Good to visit with you. My best to the family. Thank you again, Mike, for getting up with us. You got it, Dan.
Anytime, buddy. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Jared Goff joining us now, the Detroit Lions quarterback. All is well with you. You don't have to make up answers when you go to a press conference. Um, So did you watch the game last night? Uh, you know, I watched the first half. Those, those games come on so late, you know, when you're on the East Coast now. Uh, I watched the first half. I usually go to bed right after that. What did you think? Uh, tough game. Yeah, they're both good teams. and um, Yeah, it was tough. I think, you know, the world of uh, Justin and, and Dak, and uh, I think they both played well. But do you watch the quarterback when he's going back to pass, or do you watch the defensive line or the rush going after the quarterback? Good question. I'm typically watching the quarterbacks just to see what they do and um, yeah, see how they're playing. But they both look great. I think they're both great players. By the way, uh, a full intro here, Jared Goff, the uh, former number one overall pick by the Rams and uh, the Lions winning uh, against the Buccaneers. The Detroit fans are uh, they're traveling there. It was great to see that. 
Man, you were taking a victory lap there, uh, saying hello to those fans after the game. How great is it to have fans on the road for a change? Yeah, it's it's really cool, man. It's 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 really a lot of fun, and um, they, they've done that. Now we've had you know three road games, and all three have been um, night games. And you know, kind of after those games, they've stuck around. We've won them, and uh, it's it's been really fun to just give them some love and, and let them know we appreciate them. And yeah, it's it's a completely different environment when you have them there, and uh, it changes everything. Uh, the MVP campaign starts right now for you. <laughs> all right, are you okay with that? Sure. Yeah, I won't. I won't be doing much of it, but uh, you, you can you can take care of that for me, Dan. Okay. Last sixteen games, Lions are thirteen and three. Jared Goff has completed almost sixty-seven percent of his passes. He's thrown for twenty-eight touchdowns, just four interceptions. He's thrown for forty-one hundred yards. So this is the last sixteen games, going thirteen and three, and through six games this season. He is one of two quarterbacks ranked in the top five for passing yards, completion percentage, touchdowns, passer rating. The other one is Tua Tonga-Vailoa, who, according to DraftKings, is the favorite for the MVP, followed by Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Brock Purdy. Why aren't you in the top five? <laughs> Man, uh, that's, that's not for me to decide. I, I'm just going to try to keep playing well. I think the, the thing you see in common for – all those guys you named is, uh, you know, we're all on pretty good teams right now, and that's kind of um, when that attention starts to happen. And um, for us, you know, our defense is playing as well as they played. Our line's playing well, and I'm sitting back there making some throws. Um, it's been fun. We've been we've been playing well and winning some games and winning some tough ones on the road, like I mentioned. But um, long season still to go and, and a lot of work to do. Lions will be at the Ravens coming up on Sunday. Did you ever get a chance to meet Joe Montana? I think you chose number 16. Because of uh, because of Joe, yeah, you know, actually, uh, I I met him for the first time like a couple of years ago at the airport, just randomly ran into him, <laughs> um, and I'm like, I gotta go say hi to him. You know, I, he was sitting by himself, and I was as well. I was by myself. I'm gonna go say hi to him and, and talk to him briefly for five minutes. And yeah, that was that was why I was too young to watch him play growing up in the Bay Area, but. Um, when it was time to pick jersey numbers, I was, you know, eight years old. And my dad's like, just do 16. That's Joe Montana. And I'm like, all right, you know, and, and became a huge Joe Montana fan after that. But, um, yeah, huge fan of his. And, um, yeah, the origin is, is from him wearing it, obviously, for the Niners. So what you talk to Joe Montana about at the airport? It was it was pretty brief. It was it was where are you going? What are you up to? Um, it was during the off season. Uh, it was it was really brief, just high and by. And um, yeah, it was it was really cool to me. Did you get a picture? No, I did not ask for a picture. No. Oh come maybe on, one day. maybe maybe one day. Yeah, Joe's the nicest guy in the world. Just you know, get a picture with he him. Is. Yeah, yeah, he is. He was awesome, and uh, he was he was super cool to me. What's the story about your coach Dan Campbell? You're going to tell your kids. Oh man, jeez, uh, I, I I don't know if I can pick one. I mean, he's done a lot of you know funny stuff. I think the five dollar bill one is actually up there. That was pretty. That was pretty creative by him. I don't know if he had. Any Explain that one though the to the audience if they're not aware of that. Yeah. So after the game, he pulled out a five dollar bill, and I was kind of you know a little befuddled by what, what he was saying and then you know he goes that's five i'm like oh that's for five wins okay i got it um but I, I i don't know if he had it in his pocket the whole game if he had someone handed to him after we won um i don't know man but he does fun stuff like that he keeps it really fun and uh, at the same time is able to coach us hard so it's, it's a good combo and uh, he's a lot of fun to play for does he have t- is it tough love with him 
Certainly, yeah, yeah. I think he's he's as honest as a coach I've ever been around. He will he will shoot you straight always and um, let you know when he's when he loves what you're doing. Let you know when he thinks he can get more from you. So he's been he's been great to me in, in that way and um, has done it for everybody. What happened though? Quarterbacks seem to go through this. There's that welcome to the NFL moment, and then all of a sudden you see a quarterback either he makes the next step or he doesn't, and it decides you know what his future is. So what? Was there something that clicked for you at a certain point where you go, okay, game slowed down, or I understand it better, or whatever, I, I process things better? What, what happens uh, with quarterbacks? Yeah, I think it typically happens in that second year. You know, your rookie year, you're just trying to keep your head above water and, and find ways to, you know, throw completions and just, you know, not get hurt and just stay on the field and, you know, just trying to figure things out. I think the second year for me, too, is when it kind of just light bulb goes off in some ways and you're able to understand coverage a little bit more. You're able to understand where the holes are in the defense and able to make a little bit more higher percentage decisions um, based on what you know. And um, that, that typically happens over that first off season. And, and for me, it was no different. What was your welcome to the NFL moment? Um, you know, I've got, I've got a couple. Uh, you know, probably, um, shoot, I mean, Sherman, Richard Sherman hit me along the sideline that Thursday night game my rookie year, took me out of the game there. I got hit my first start, I played the Dolphins, um, and that was when they had uh, Ndamukong Sue and Cameron Wake, and they kind of both, like, sandwiched me on one of my first sacks I ever took. Um yeah, there, there's a couple, man. I, I, I shoot my first ever game, the preseason game, was Dallas at home. First game back in LA, football game. It was a big deal. <laughs> um, I was the first pick. I'm running out there after you know after Keenum does the first few drives, and I'm running out there. I think my first th- third down, I you know got hit with a blitz I didn't even see coming, and threw a pick, and you know <laughs> separated my left shoulder, and yeah, it was a, it was a mess. But um, I'm 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 much past that now, and, and and don't like to think of those times really. Well, you see these young quarterbacks, and they still think you know in college I can hold on to the ball. Or I can make a play out of this. And I remember, you know, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady telling me, hey, it's not there. It's not there. It's not going to be there. Throw it away. How you have to kind of fight that urge of what maybe you did when you were in college as opposed to what you should be doing in the NFL, I'm going to guess. Sure. Yeah, I think that's a huge part of it. Is no when the when the play is is not there. There's so much preparation done during the week um, in, in an NFL week that if, if your prep's wrong and the play is not there, typically it's not there for a reason and, and it's time to move on or get rid of it and not take the hit um and yeah that's something you learn as you get older and um you know unfortunately in today's day and age these, these young guys don't get much uh much patience from um from from the media from the fans and yeah. it's unfortunate but uh it, t- it takes time dude it takes time and um it, it takes a lot of uh, a lot of hours and reps and I'm um, sure. I mean, I shoot. I'm only in year eight, and I hope I can be looking back at right now and saying that I've, I've learned a bunch more five years from now. So um, you're always learning, always trying to get better. Well, good luck against uh, the Ravens. Great to talk to you again, and uh, we'll keep that uh, campaign going for MVP. <laughs> All right, Dan. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hi, this is Jay Glazer, and you may know me from the world of football or fighting or even shows like HBO's Ballers. What you don't know is for my entire life, I have lived in something I refer to as the gray depression, anxiety. So now I'm coming out with a new podcast, Unbreakable, a mental health podcast with Jay Glazer, where each week 
While we talk about mental health, I hope to describe it. Give it words. Listen to Unbreakable with Jay Glazer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I got the uh, NFL Defensive Player of the Year odds, according to DraftKings. Micah Parsons is your favorite. Then it's TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, Aiden Hutchinson, and uh, Fred Warner. As we make the segue to T.J. Watt, who's already won that award. He has eight sacks on the season, 85 and a half sacks in his career. Just turned 29, I believe, last week. Good to have T.J. back on the show. If I said you could have one sack or eight hurries in a game, what would you take? (laughs) I'll take the sack. Yeah, but that doesn't mean you had a good game if you have one sack, but eight hurries... Doesn't that mean that you probably had a better all-around game? Yeah, but it depends. Is it a sack fumble? Is the sack <laughs> demoralizing? You know, it's it, it all depends. But uh, at the end of the day, I think we're all trying to get sacks. Okay. Um, you took your helmet off and got fined. Yeah, not smart. <laughs> okay, but you're not taunting. Like, you're just celebrating. But do, do you even get a chance to say anything? Or is it just, hey, you got fined. They're going to take it out of your paycheck? 
No, we're we're gonna try to appeal it, and I think that's just kind of like you said. It wasn't. I wasn't trying to be malicious. I wasn't taunting at someone. I was just. It was fourth down. It was the end of the game. Took my helmet off. Um, I understand there probably wasn't a whole lot of safety risk because the game was technically over at that point. But uh, I mean, I just have to be better, I guess. Okay, but do you have your loophole here? Who's arguing your case? Uh, it's me and then my agency. We handle it. We have lawyers in house <laughs> that have to go through a whole appeal process, Section Five, Article Four, Line Seven. You know all that stuff. <laughs> uh, have you been fined before? Yes, I have. I've been fined a couple times. It's my seventh year. Um, I've had a good amount of, I, I like to punch the football. Um, so I've had a couple of those. I actually got one again this past week for punching the football and then a couple roughing the passers. So I've been through the process a few times. Do they take it out of your paycheck or do you have to write a check to the NFL homeowner? No, they, they take it out, which makes it a little bit better because then you don't <laughs> have to actually write the check right, <laughs> right in front of you. Um, how would you assess this team so far and being in this division? I mean, it's a winnable division, but uh, where do you guys stand sort of in the hierarchy with uh, the AFC North? Yeah, it's it's a tough division. It's always been a tough division since I've been here. I think we're, uh, we're happy to be three and two, and we know we could be better, and we know that we haven't played nearly close to our best football yet, uh, and it's still so early in the season, but uh, – the bye came at a good time. I feel like we're going to get some guys back, and um, we need to continue to string some wins back-to-back uh, is is crucial here, as Mike Tomlin always says. Why is the Ravens matchup? I mean, it feels like that's the best rivalry in football right now. It's just always so physical. Uh, when Coach T talks about that matchup, he always says, like, there's been rules made around this game when it comes <laughs> to targeting and uh, guys just big hits over the middle, blindside blocks. It's just always been so physical. And um, even though the game has changed dramatically over the last uh, 10 or 20 years, we've tried and we I feel like we've done a good job in that rivalry of keeping an A clean, but also just continuing to keep that aggression and uh, there is there is a form of hatred between uh, Baltimore and Pittsburgh, and uh, that's okay. I'm fine with it. Explain to me the punching of the football, because I've seen where Max Crosby punches the quarterback's mm-hmm. arm. Um, is the NFL allowing you to punch the as long as you hit the ball, or or were you? Yeah, as, as, I mean, it's, it's hard because the ball is always close to the face mask. So it's like I'm never we're never trying to punch the actual face mask is a, that would hurt our hand and B we know it's a penalty, but uh, we're always trying to punch at the football. But what people don't realize or some people don't realize is that when a quarterback has the ball or a running back, the moment from here to here or here to here is a split second. So when I'm winding up to go at the football, it could be gone by the time that I move. So it's hard to anticipate exactly where the football is going to be. And I think that's where you get those, um, those spots where you're hitting a guy where you're not intentionally trying to. You ever apologize to a player you hit? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, there's some times where your emotion gets the best of you and after a play, you kind of pop the guy in the, in the chin strap. And go, oh, sorry. Like, <laughs> God, let me calm down here for a second. My bad. I realize we still have to go a full game. I don't want to get a cheap shot back my way. Has anybody apologized to you after hitting you? Oh, for sure. I, I think at, at the end of the day, I mean, we never want to. We never want to be malicious. I mean, never want to be disrespectful on the football field. I think both sides do a good job, offense, defensive. If someone does something that they didn't intend to do or that was a little dirty, they're most likely going to apologize. And if they don't, that's where the problems ensue. Why isn't roughing the passer reviewable? 
I don't know. It's a good question. Uh, it's, it's hard. It's, we do everything we possibly can. And, uh, I was talking to the refs the other week that, you know, when you go to tackle the quarterback, I'm rotating as hard as I can. I'm taking the hit because the quarterback's landing on top of me. Um, but it's, it's just the life that we live and we have to adapt as much as possible because those penalties are, are massive game changing penalties and they're 15 yards in the first down. Yeah, but they should review them. If, we review basically every play, TJ. When you think about it, there's time to review because that's what the broadcasters do. That if you have the New York office look at these plays and then say, hey, you know what? That hit wasn't to the face. Or, you know, as you said, these are game-changing, you know, type of plays here. And it feels like I know they're trying to protect the quarterback, but, you know, you got to help out the defense just a little bit here. And no rules are to benefit the defense. When's the last time you had a rule <laughs> that benefited the defense? Well, offensive holding helps me from time to time, which is nice. But, yeah, it's it's one of those things that's obviously way above my pay grade. We just try to adapt to the rules that are in place and um, try to play as clean and smart as possible. Okay, why are they letting the tackles line up a little bit further back off the line against you guys? <laughs> that's that's something we're, we're tackling, too, and the, the refs are getting better at it. Uh, the thing is that if a tackle lines up a little deeper, they're going to be more lenient on letting us take that credit card line and are getting as close to the line of scrimmage as possible. So it's kind of an in-game thing. Um, hopefully, if he's lining up a little deeper, they're not giving him that two clicks of the remote head start that uh, whatever they call it. Um, it feels yeah, like it's an advantage remote. because the offensive linemen haven't kept up athletically with the edge rushers. So they're almost they're <laughs> giving, calling shots. Yes, I am. Absolutely. Here's another <laughs> thing that they're calling offensive linemen downfield, like these bubble screens. It feels like these mm-hmm. linemen get out there, but they are calling that. It feels like a little bit more. It seems like a point of emphasis here. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I would like to think they're trying to call everything, and I understand there's a whole lot going on, and I don't know if you have enough bodies to really see everything. I mean, like we always say, you could call a holding on every single play. It's just a matter of what they're able to see and what's not going to slow the game down. But what if I said offensive linemen have to wear mittens? Where they, incredible. That they can't hold you. <laughs> would be awesome. I think you'd see a lot more a lot more pass rush wins across the league. <laughs> uh, now that JJ's retired, is he getting a little doughy? No, he's not. He, he hadn't let himself jacked. go. No, no. That's that's the thing. Is like he'll send a meal of like a big cheat meal of pancakes <laughs> and waffles and everything, and then later in the day, he's like, "All I can eat is fruit and like grilled chicken breast." I'm like, "Why?" I mean, there's no point. <laughs> you don't have a game tomorrow. Like, just indulge, man. Enjoy it for a couple months. But uh, he likes staying in shape. Did you ask him to join the Steelers? No, I mean that's not that's another one of those things. It's not. It's way above my pay grade. I I don't have any say in who we bring in. Well, you could. You could. <laughs> Did you ask I mean, him I, if he wanted? I didn't to play. I didn't drop it in the suggestion box. Uh, no, I never blatantly asked Jage if he wanted to come and play. Um, I think his career took its course and my career is on my course, and uh, they never were able to meet. His son looks like he's six years old. He's massive. He, I know. He, <laughs> <laughs> he's massive. I, I would be uh, – somebody's going to give him a scholarship here soon. I know. He, he, uh, they're coming out here in a couple weeks, and I hope he's saving his first steps when he comes out here. Yeah, it's funny, J.D. always sends videos of him like pushing suitcases and prowler <laughs> pushes, and he's in training already. All right, let's play the uh, max bench press for TJ. 
So one rep. Max bench press. Yeah, hold on now. All right, so max bench press, one rep, best ever. Oh, ever. Ever. And I'm not saying now. I'm saying ever for TJ. Todd, I'm going to start with you. 430. 430. Jeez. Seton. Uh, 415. All right. Marvin? One rep, 525. Holy. Oh, damn. <laughs> oh, my God. Damn. <laughs> This is TJ here, not JJ. Yeah. <laughs> Paulie? I, I'm going to go one rep, 465. I'm going to go one rep, 385. I think it was 425 at one point. Okay. But we, don't touch, we don't touch that anymore. It's no, no point in risking it these days. Who's the strongest guy you've ever been around? Oh, James Harrison. I think, I mean, oh, the guy's throwing weights around like crazy. <laughs> he still is. <laughs> he still is. It's incredible. The guy doesn't age, it seems like. He could probably use him for a couple of plays. Man, he is is one big dude. Hey, uh, congratulations. Where is the uh, Defensive Player of the Year uh, trophy? Uh, Back home in Wisconsin. Yep, keep it back home. So if I walk into your place in Pittsburgh, do I have any idea you play football? Uh, No, not unless you go in the office. I don't like to have stuff all over the house. Yeah. But – you could have like a statue out front or something like that. That would be JJ has a statue out front of his place. Yeah, if he did, he'd hear about it. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> that would not be acceptable. Hey, great to talk to you. Congrats. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. See you guys. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.